I am going to uh, introduce Mr. Michael, Phil Michael Brown. You might know him by Phil. You may know him by Mike. You may know him by that guy. Oh, boy. He had a message on his heart. Yeah, come on up. Come on up, Michael. Everybody just greet him in the name of Jesus. Amen. He's going to preach with a wet shirt. Like that guitar stain? He needs a guitar that breathes. Just wear a t-shirt, friend. It works. I did wear a t-shirt. Oh, did you? Wow, you're wet. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about discipleship, and we've been talking about um, how we need to um, be not just believers, but followers, and how as followers, uh, followers learn to please their heavenly Father, they look for him, what it does, what he what pleases him, his desires. And um, Mike came to Tom and I and just said, "Man, the Lord's been doing a work in my heart, and um, I just feel like the Lord has a word." And I am he shared it, and there's there's a lot of truth and a lot of downloads the Lord's been doing in Mike's heart. So he's going to share some things the Lord's been putting in him, and I just want to encourage you to receive. Uh, the word today, not as if it's coming from Mike Brown, a flawed individual, just like me and you, but that it's coming from the God, because he has a message from the heart of God, and so we want to receive it as such, and if you do, you'll receive a reward from the Lord if you receive it from him, amen? And so, Father, we just bless Mike with freedom today to be himself, to share, God, what you've placed inside of his heart. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in this hour, God, as you're drawing us and as we become people who want to please your heart and do your will, Father, I pray that you would use this message to go deep. Father, let your anointing be on this so it goes deep into our heart and it begins to transform us and change us. So, Lord, we receive Mike. We thank you for this man who desires to do your will. Would you bless him in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. amen. Bless you, brother. Thank you, sir. Oh, flip 180. Uh, John, if you've got the video ready, go ahead and shoot the video. Ashley, will you go get McKinley, please? And Isaac, if he's here. Is it going to work? Okay. What this is, is it's Chinese people receiving their first Bible. You might wonder why in the world did I show that video because what the Lord has placed upon my heart and uh, 
what even Eric and Tom and even the vision of our church and what we've been doing is discipleship. Now, I can preach an amazing message. And Eric and Tom, Mario Murillo, Denny Kramer, Alex, whoever, could come up here and preach an amazing message. But if you don't love the Word, if you don't love this, if you can't be in love with the gospel, you will not hear what I say or Eric or Tom or anybody. And as I've seen that and as the Lord's been working on my heart, and even with the, as I try to educate myself even in, in the word and, and different, being discipled by people, being taught that I need to love the word. When was the last time that when you read this that you felt butterflies? That you fell in love with what was in here because it brings you life? When, when I was younger and growing up in the church that I grew up in, I used, my grandpa years ago sang a song said, I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. How can we expect to get where we're supposed to go as a people, as a church, as men that lead our families, as women who are wives to our husbands? How can we disciple or be discipled if we first cannot love the gospel? So just like with what Eric said, I, I ask you to look past the messenger and receive the message. And if, as we talk, even as Eric has discipled me, as Tom has discipled me, as I have aligned myself with other men and some women in the region, as, as they pour into me and I, and I listen and I gleam from what they have to say, it all has to line up with here, and it goes to if I can't hear and receive and do if I don't love this. And it's really starting to change my life. How, how do I do what I'm supposed to do without it? So I'm going to start out with a couple things. Number one, if you brought your Bible, a real Bible, not a, not a technology, if you brought your Bible, will you please stand? <laughs> I have to repent because I thought there would be less. You may sit down. If you have a cell phone or a tablet and you brought it with you to use as a Bible, you stand up. Yes, stand up. Awesome. Okay, sit down. How many of you today, before you came to church, already made a cell phone call or text, even during church or before church? Made a phone call or text, please stand up, or checked your email. Okay, you may sit down. 
How many of you read the Bible before you came? Okay, it's less. Go ahead, sit down. See, I'm guilty myself because as I was laying in bed last night and even all week as I'm driving down the road, I've preached some amazing messages in the driver's seat of my car. (laughs) But as the Lord even convicted me last night, how am I starting my day? And even all the things that I want to tie this into what Tom talked about last Sunday. I'm going to really try to get to my notes. This probably might be two parts. If that works out, we can talk about that, okay? Um, But Tom, last Sunday, talked about the spiders. And he shared a dream how as you uncover, these little spiders are coming into play. And the scripture that came to mind when he told us that was in uh, the four Gospels, I believe it's in there twice, where Jesus says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And we as a nation, we as a church, so let's, um, what I'm going to do is address us all as a church, not just the body of Christ in general, but since we're here and this is where we go, we need to address ourselves as New Covenant Worship Center, that there are little foxes, there are little things that's getting in that's destroying the vine. And it's not that all things are bad because the word says not everything is sin, but not all is beneficial. And what's happening is because we're not grabbing the church vision, the God-given vision of this body, of this house, and we're not discipling the way that we should, we're letting the little foxes get in as far as we're not getting into the word. We're not falling in love with it. And why? What do some of the little foxes look like? Well, in my own life, they look like when I come home from work, I deserve quiet time. That I deserve to sit in my chair and relax because I deserve my time. Is there anything wrong with that? Is that sin? I'm not telling you that it is. But if God convicts me of it, it is. I watch Andy Griffith or my iPad or check my email or all those things, bad or sin, no. But there are little foxes that get in. What about all the different movies and TV shows that you all like? You all have a favorite one. I don't have to name them because you know what they are. And most of them use language that we all say, kids, don't say that. That's adult language. You shouldn't say that. Or we see TV shows or other things that are got extra ratings that we say, since we're adults, we can handle it because we don't. You know, those things really don't affect us where we see three to five seconds of nudity up on the television. And we wonder why our nation is where it is. Because the word says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. And we're letting these things in and we're, we're losing our generation. And we're losing this generation because we're the ones setting precedents. So I want to begin with the end in mind, as Eric and Tom have taught me and discipled me, is I want to change your, God wants to change your perspective. It's not, are you discipling? I know, and God wants to change our viewpoint. The question is, who are you discipling for? Because you're either discipling for God's kingdom, or you're discipling for the enemy. Now, because what is uh, different things we hear and, and, and where I want you to take away this. 
It says that ministry is 90% what we do, 10% of what we say. So let's change that to discipleship. Discipleship can be 90% of what we do and 10% of what we say. So what we allow on our computers, our iPads, our phones, our TV shows, what we do with our time, is it, is it bringing glory to the kingdom? Because we, we all say there's a line. I've got this in my notes. One of the big lies that we say as far as it comes to discipleship is we don't have time. But yet every one of us record shows, take naps, go eat out, go to the gym. We go do different things, go hang out with our buddy. We have time. So who are you discipling for? Let's begin with that. Begin with the end in mind, and let's change and allow God to change our perspective and our viewpoint. Who are you discipling for? Is it God's kingdom, or is it okay, the enemy's kingdom? Even though you might not be doing anything bad, but what is the example that you're setting? Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? All right, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit and Jesus, Jesus, you're the best teacher. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that as, as I share this message and we go deep into what you have for us, that your truth is revealed and that it brings conviction even upon myself, that condemnation is out because there is a difference. Okay, Holy Spirit, bring your conviction upon us, that it might bring us closer to you and change our perspective, that we may chase after your vision, that way we may be a red hot fire, and that we would disciple and do what the word says that we are to do. So Holy Spirit, have your way, use and anoint my words, move in power, Jesus, teach, and just let me be the mouthpiece that you want me to be, and amen. All right. That's how we're going to start. I'm going to ask a few people to come up here and sit with me, all right, because we're visual people, so I hope you can kind of get a visual of what's going on, all right, because some of the things we set in a ministry team meeting not too long ago, and one of the things that even the leaders of our church have said is, well, how do we disciple? What, is, what does that look like? Is there a book? Is there this or that? Well, I've went through some things, and what I feel the Lord is showing me is where we're at as a church, as a people but where he wants us to go. Now, as I look at things in a prophetic eye or standpoint, uh, I look at things that are happening in the natural, not just in our family, but within our church. And a lot of times it's a key to what's going on in the spiritual atmosphere or what God is doing spiritually. Agreed? Okay. Adam and Kelsey, will you come up here? Ashley, McKinley and Isaac, come on up here. And just sit right here. Joel. Um, Aiden was here and he got sick so we need to pray for him as we end the service uh, and Caleb and just sit down here now first off if you're a dad or your mom please stand up huh oh Andre too you pop on up here buddy alright you guys are disciplers Okay, you guys are disciplers and have the ability because you have a wife or a husband, you have children. You can sit back down. 
Okay? As you can see, they're from all walks of life. But Ashley and McKinley and Isaac, stand up and come here for a minute. As I'm addressing the men of the house, okay? This is my first priority. This is my sheep. These are who I pastor. And not very good at times. And these are who I disciple. Now, if I can't disciple them in the best way that I know how, as the Lord leads me, I can't disciple them. Because these, these are the, the thermostat of what's going on right here. When you look at how they act and what they do and their mood, you can tell how good of a job or how bad of a job I'm doing. So these are my first priorities. This is who I disciple. I'm the youth pastor of this home. <laughs> Not just because you're young. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. But I'm the youth pastor of this house. You may sit down. I'm the elder. Okay. So let's get to my notes. Now, why am I going to my notes, you might ask? So I want to give you a little, little snippet of Jesus. Because in the beginning, I said Jesus was a highly educated individual. All right? Does it say that in the Bible? Not necessarily. But however, we know through Jewish culture and tradition that Jesus was a Jew. So Jesus, at age five, from what I've looked up and seen... Jewish children at age five would actually get involved in a schooling, and they would start learning the word, the canon, what they had at that time. Now, it wasn't just a read-through and be like, oh, well, that's, that's great. That was memorization. They started memorizing what they knew. Now, many places in the, not many, there's a few places in the Scripture that actually called Jesus a rabbi, all right? And it says he preached and taught in the synagogues. Well, Jesus couldn't just do that. Are you guys leaving me? Yeah, you can leave me. Bye. I love you. Um, it, just not anybody could teach in the synagogue. Not just anybody could come in and start sharing in the word. There was, there was a process. There was some things that Jesus went through. He was educated. And I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this down. Jesus was educated, and Jesus was discipled. Because we know of where he was at and what he was doing, and because of his age, and you even read, there is a place, and we're all familiar with the scripture at age, I think it's 12, where he says, they, Mary and Joseph lose him, they go back, they find him, and wow, there he is, he's teaching all these amazing people, and they're in awe of his authority and his knowledge and what he knows. And what does he say? It was time that I'd be about my father's business. At age 12, we all know that there was a bar mitzvah, they had a party, and they blessed him. And our church is doing really good at blessing its children, all right? But here's what would happen at age 12. At age 12, you then either got into the family business or you continued your education, all right? You continued being taught or discipled by other rabbis and people that were in the synagogue, so Jesus had an education. Now, this has convicted me 
because I've not been a very good reader and I've not put a high value on education and that is a family curse that's come down through my line. But I'm learning as I've been discipled by Eric and Tom and Johnny Cawthorn and some other people. They are all about getting your education, getting higher education, getting more knowledge. It's not to make you better, but it's to follow the example that Jesus set. See, when I first started to want to even get up here and preach or be discipled by Eric, it was all about, hey, I'm meeting with Pastor Eric. Hey, I'm meeting with Pastor Tom. Hey, I get to get up and share the word. But there were times when I really, I was doing it because I needed to feel good about me. But when I finally grabbed a hold of what these two men were trying to do, and I grabbed a hold of discipleship, and I realized there's a weightiness to getting up here in front of you people and sharing the word and being intelligent about it in creating a structure guess what jesus was taught to create a structure in which he could preach and teach the word he flew by the city of his pants yes but he just didn't get up there and say all right holy spirit what do you want to do today i love that it's needed but yet there was a structure in which he was taught through his education he needed to be ready and prepared so there was i've been working on this for about two and a half three months there was a time when I even went to Tom and Eric and said, I don't even want to do this. I'm not going to put the time into it because it takes time. Because there is some, what Americans call, suffering involved. There's some suffering involved in discipling these people. Eric and Tom have been through some suffering with discipling me. People like uh, Nathan Brewington and Chris Hansen have had to do, and Ernie Dishman have had to do some suffering in dealing with Mike Brown. All right? Amen, you know. (laughs) But I I want you to help change your perspective even on suffering, and let's call it a different word, because we do not suffer for the gospel. There's not one person in this church in Newcastle, Indiana, probably in all of Indiana, that really suffers for the cause of the gospel. We are inconvenienced. And that's all it is. We don't disciple because we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to serve because we don't want to be inconvenienced. And that's really what it is. And what did Tom talk about? He said, we run. Did anybody remember there was a specific phrase that Tom said two or three weeks ago about suffering and sin? Anybody remember it? Anybody? Raise your hand. Eric, you have an excuse. Wow. Here's what he said. He said, the heroes of the gospel that we look up to worked harder at running from sin than they did at running from suffering. Guilty. You know how many times I've ran from suffering because I didn't want to confront somebody or I didn't want to do the right thing because I didn't want to suffer. I didn't want to be discipled or I didn't want to disciple. I ran from suffering. Really, there's all kinds of stuff in the Word that talk about suffering. But I want to encourage you and let you know that you are not suffering for the gospel. And I know that's a bold statement because some of you want to say, oh, but I am. And I've wanted to say, oh, but I am. No, you have been inconvenienced for the gospel. And that is it. Inconvenienced. And we need to get rid of that. All right. So you're still tracking with me. All right. So here we go. Was Jesus an educated man? Was he highly educated? Was Jesus discipled? So does that mean Jesus came under human imperfect authority? Did he? Yes, he did. Nobody wants to answer that. Well, I don't know if I want to say that or not. He did. Are you got, am I perfect? No. (laughs) 
Why does every time I say that, I, get, I hear it? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So here we go. Let me get to some notes, okay? What I want to jump into is what God showed me about, oh, four or five months ago as I'm sitting in this class because we're foster parents, and there's several of you in here are foster parents, and that's great, all right? But as I watched this video, and I couldn't find it because I wanted you to see it, but I've just I got a bunch of notes to go over with you, is that our form of discipleship right now looks like the foster care program. And that's not what it should be. Now, fostering is good, okay? Because in the natural, you look at foster care is really meant for unification of parent and child. So if, is it Elijah or Daniel? Elijah, okay, come here, Elijah. So if Elijah gets taken from his parents and he's placed in my care, he's placed in my care temporarily until mom, dad can fix things and then we, and the, the, the structure that's set up, help bring reunification. That's good. In the spiritual sense, it's not really the greatest way to go about it. Okay? So here's my notes. Our church vision, we are a church that is focused on youth. We are called to a young generation, and we have prophetic words on a youth movement. Matthew 28, 19 talks about not getting people saved... But what does it say? Let's get them discipled. Right. So we need to disciple everyone on this side of the stage and anyone under 30 and Grandma Leela. Anybody under that age as well. But we need to disciple. Everyone in here is at a different level than somebody else. So really, you can all be discipling someone, especially your kids. That's a good place to start. All right? So if you're called here, you're called to the vision of the church. So if New Covenant, guys, is your home, if this is your church, then you are called to the vision of the house. Now, if your vision is different or God's placing a different vision in you and it doesn't align up, I want to be bold enough to say, this probably ain't your church. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because we have to be okay with with that statement, okay? So Jesus said, follow me, not let me help you build your own kingdom or vision. Follow me. Now, I got to grab my phone because I, I, want you to, I want you to hear what a follow means. This is what follow means, and you can write some of this down. Follow is a verb, so there's action. Now, when you first think of follow, you think Jesus went and said, hey, come follow me and watch what I do. That was only part of it. All right? It says, uh, to accompany, follow closely, characterize, both literally and metaphorically. Okay, let's go to another one that I've seen that I really liked. It said, to follow after, uh, as side by side, as close, accompany, to always be present, attend wherever one goes, to follow up a thing in mind so as to attain to the knowledge of it, to follow faithfully, and my favorite, to conform oneself to. So if you're following someone, as I follow Eric, as I follow Tom, as I follow some of the other men and women that I've aligned, as my wife 
and my children follow me, they are conforming to who I am. And that's why I said, are you discipling for the enemy? Are you discipling for God's kingdom? Because they will conform to who you are. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to set that example. So Jesus again said, follow me. He didn't go up to Peter, James, and John and say, hey, Peter, I'm Jesus. Uh, How can I help you build what God has put inside of you? What is your vision? How can I help you do that? That's not what he said. He didn't say, Michelle, man, you're awesome. How can I help make you a better painter? How can I help get Michelle's name way up there above Picasso? That's not what he said. He said, follow me. He didn't say, I'll make you better fishermen of the sea. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you paint that that will bring freedom to people. I'll make you the world's best evangelist if you follow me because I know how to do that. That's what Jesus says. Follow me, Eric, because I am the best pastor and the best shepherd and follow me. And that's how it works. He says, follow me. Everybody said, follow me. Follow me. Say it again. Okay, follow Jesus. Okay, so here's some, here's some assumed lies about discipleship. And again, I haven't talked about the foster care program yet that we're in, but we're getting there. All right? Here's some lies. The assumed lie is, if I'm not a youth pastor, I don't belong here. That is a lie that has been said by people who have been inside these four walls. You don't have to be a youth pastor to come to this church, okay? You can pastor youth, thank you, Ashley, but you don't have to be a youth pastor, okay? Another one, better get this before my battery dies. Um, I'm not a youth pastor. That's a lie some people say. If you have kids, you are. Uh, it's Mike's job and the pastoral team to disciple our youth. How many of you over here are being discipled? Oh, you are? Awesome. Okay, stand up. Uh, okay, well, no. No. By our parents and you guys and everybody. Parents. Parents and youth leaders. Good. Hey, guess what? It's getting somewhere. We've said it enough times. There's an understanding. That's great. I'm too old, Grandma Leela. I mean this with all the respect that's in me because I think you're the oldest person in here. You are not too old to disciple. You're actually at the right age to disciple. So pick one. There's a, there's a whole bunch. Pick one. That's a prophetic word for you. Pick one. Pick one, pick someone to disciple, because you have a lot to offer. Okay, I want to give you a, uh, let me hang tight here for a second. Let's just see what the Lord has to say. Any of you guys want to say anything before I go on? Again, I brought these people up here so you could see there's something active that is going, even though it's not perfected, even though that it's not exactly the way it needs to be, we're figuring out as we go. Anything? Okay. 
I want you all, Alex Fulton, stand up. Come here. I love you. Alex Fulton, are you discipling people? Yes. Who are you discipling? Uh, well, my wife. I meet with uh, Eric, Jeff, Justin, a guy from Minnesota. It might be a guy from Illinois on Skype and with Lynn. That's right. Skype, right? You do it on Skype through the internet? Uh, in person and Skype. Yep. And how do you do it with Lynn? Skype. Okay. Sit back down. Another man that is discipling people. We're using technology, all right, figuring out, calling it out. How can we make this happen just because you live in another state? There's still some discipleship that can go on. Jeff Julian, come here for a minute. Everybody say hi, Jeff. Yes. Uh, are you discipling people? Yes. Who are you discipling? Uh, guys that I work with and work for me. What about your wife? wife. <laughs> From time to time when yeah. she'll receive me. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything you want to say about discipleship? Uh, I don't think there's anything more important than discipleship because that's, uh, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And if we're not growing, then we're, we're going to be stagnant and we're not moving forward and it won't work for us. Is it easy? Is it easy? Has it been easy? Okay. Basically what's happening, even as, as Eric has taught before when we're talking about discipleship, you're really mothering and fathering someone. And that's the connection with foster care. Okay, mothering and fathering. When kids are put in mine and my wife's custody, Carmen's, uh, Andrea's, I don't know who else is. It's escaping me now. But when they're put in our custody, we're really to father and mother them. And they even teach you in foster care to treat them as your own kid. All right? So let's, uh, let's give a definition of a father and a mother. If you're a father, please stand up. Definition of a father. A man who gives, you better stand up. Wow, that's exciting. A man who gives life and helps teach and train children to live the best life possible in the areas of God's kingdom, marriage, parenting, education, financing, and honoring others. He brings discipline through love, giving hands-on equipping to all these areas of life. There is no age limit on the father or the child. You can sit down. One of the things God's been convicting me of that I've heard people say, I've heard many fathers say, well, when, when they're 18, I'm done. They're out of here. And that's, 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 the American, that's the American thought. That's the American dream of, of, of our twisted thought of when they're 18 or 22, we're done and we're empty nesters and we can do what we want. I have news for you. You will always be a father. This man and Tom will always be fathering me in some aspect. In some aspect. <laughs> That'll mess you up. Go give him a hug if you want to. <laughs> Go hug him. You will always be father and son. I will always. <laughs> give me a hug too. 
Because see, even in some aspect, I will always have some kind of discipleship or fathering role in his life and my wife's and Kelsey's and Adam's and Andre's. It will never end. The role changes, like me and Eric have talked about. It changes, but it never ends. There's no ending to fathering or mothering someone. All right? The truth, if you are a father or mother, you are a youth pastor to your kids. So let's see what the Word says about fathering and mothering. Let's go to some Scripture. You guys love the Word? Let's see what the best God-breathed thing says. The God-breathed life, the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 4. Fourteen through seventeen. It says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had ten thousand others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I've become your father in Jesus Christ when I preach the good news to you. So I ask you to follow my example and do as I do. Now there are some versions that actually say you have many teachers but not very many fathers. Now see, that tells me there's a huge difference. All right? We can look at it through a foster care way. You have many foster parents, but none who want to adopt. And that's the transition that we're at that we have to make because it's not easy and it's tough and it's sacrificial and it's inconvenient. But we have to stop from being fostering fostering is a form of discipleship to adopting because really the truth is I have to adopt Joel Haler. I've already adopted my wife. <laughs> that's, that's just, that's amazing, ain't it? That, should, that brings joy and Kelsey and Adam and Dre, but each one is at a little bit of a different level, so it looks different, but we have to stop fostering. We have to adopt. We have to be fathers and mothers in the gospel. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, Old Testament. The Old Testament is still relevant, correct? There's a lot of, real, there's a lot of really good stuff in Deuteronomy. Am I saying that right? Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy. <laughs> It's okay to laugh and have fun. It's church, man. Jesus has fun. Guess what? Jesus created me a, a hillbilly. All right, Deuteronomy 6. You okay over there? Deuteronomy 6. Does this say something about the joy of the Lord being your strength in Deuteronomy? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Deuteronomy 6. <laughs> D chapter 6, verse 4. <laughs> uh, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands I am giving you today. Repent them again and again, or I'm sorry, repeat. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are always on a journey, when you are lying down and when you are getting up again. Tie them on your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them down on the doorpost of your house and on your, excuse me, and on your gates. I want to read what the message version says because I really like it. And this is really, you can, again, books and everything are great. We need higher education. But again, it should all line up with the word. And if you're wanting to know how to disciple, how to father, this is a really good example. Because basically what this is saying is do life. Life groups. Do life. I, I think it's, it's a strategic plan of the Lord to start getting people in relationship because that's a key part of discipleship. You can't disciple without relationship. It's impossible. It won't work. Okay, let me uh, see how this is going to work here. All right, here's what the message version says. It says, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Give them in, get them. Get them inside of you and get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talking about them from time to time when you get up in the morning to when you fall bed, fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. Get them inside of you. See, it's got to be inside of me. And that gets inside of me by getting in the Word, falling in love with it, doing what Eric talked about even, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, of how you just can't come to church on Sunday and get what's already been regurgitated by the one, not regurgitated, that's already been digested by the one who's getting it, who comes up here to preach the Word and then gives it back to you. That is okay, but you need to get it for yourself. You need to fall in love with this, get in here, dig into it, find the answers, and go after it. And this will teach you how to disciple. Do you have to Bible study, sit across from each other, and get in the Word and read? No, but that's part of it. That is an example. So, here we are. Mothering and fathering is discipleship, correct? Do we want to be foster parents? When it comes to discipleship, or do we want to adopt? Okay. So I'm going I'm to give you some examples here real quick, and then we'll see where this goes, and we might end it. Just pray for me that I really hear what the Holy Spirit and the Lord has to say. Okay. Here's a definition of discipleship. The relationship between student and teacher. That's a simple definition. The process of learning. What is a disciple? It's a learner. It's an apprentice. It's a follower. It's a pupil or a student. It's one who accepts instruction and puts into action. That's the hard one. Because who wants to accept instruction or who wants to accept discipline? Exactly. You have to want it. When you can change your mindset on what's actually going on and what discipleship is and being a Christian, you will actually run to discipline. And you will run to conviction 
Because what some of you are feeling now, even upon myself, is you're feeling conviction. You're not feeling condemnation. There's a difference. I'm not here to condemn you. God's not here to condemn you. I don't have it all figured out, but God has given me an element to share to tie in with what Eric and Tom has done so you can help understand and grab a hold of this and start to do it. Amen? So what are some elements of discipleship? If you're taking notes, here's some elements of discipleship, and then we're going to touch on the fostering. And I'm going to give you a really good example of this. Some elements of discipleship are fellowship, accountability, We've talked about that here lately, haven't we? Fellowship. And we're just talking about that. And my wife is, she goes down this whole list with me all the time, even yesterday. Thank you. How am I doing? Okay. Evangelizing and making converts. That is part of discipleship. Bible study. That is part of discipleship. Training, listening to sermons, and being with older believers. Discipleship is adoption. It is teaching in word, relationship, and ministry. All right? So here's where we're at, I feel like. We're in a transition period as a church, as New Covenant Worship Center, as people, where we're going from fostering as a form of discipleship to adoption. Because here is a uh, definition of fostering. It is used to describe a situation where a child lives with and is cared for by people who are not the child's parents to take on partial responsibility. So why do we foster instead of adopt? Okay, and let me give you another definition. Here's what adoption is. We can say spiritual adoption, to take into one's family through legal means and to raise as one's own child to take full responsibility. Now see, the hard part probably for Eric and Tom and some of the others that I'm around as I have come underneath their authority and been discipled by them is that it's not just inconvenient for me the inconvenient part for them as well is they take on full responsibility for Mike Brown. I take full responsibility for my wife, McKinley, Isaac, and Addie. I take full responsibility for Joel Haler and for Kelsey Cross and for Adam Armstrong and for Dre Turner. That's, that's a lot. Full responsibility so here's a biblical definition of adoption. The act of leaving one's natural family and entering into the privileges and responsibilities of another. The natural family and entering into the privileges and responsibilities of another. In the Bible, adoption is one of several family-related terms used to describe the process of salvation and his subsequent benefits. God is a father who graciously adopts believers into Christ, into his spiritual family, and grants them all the privileges of heirship. Salvation is much more than forgiveness of sins and deliverance from condemnation. It is also a position of great blessing. Believers are children of God. 
So what God has got us doing is we're transitioning from foster care, which is I'm going to foster you only until it gets too hard and I can give you back. Because in the foster care system, you can do that. Carmen, Andrea, am I right? You can foster a child, and because it gets tough, you can say, I can't handle this anymore. I'll give you back. And they go back into the system, which is what happens in churches right now is that people go from church to church. They're fostered by an Alex Fulton, okay? They're fostered by Alex, and what happens is Alex and me, all right, I'm going to be his disciple. I'm, I'm the tough one. And what happens with foster kids is, is they actually say they've been videotaped and they talk about how they purposely, after a while, make it hard on the one raising them. So how is that much different from when you're discipling people? Because what happens is we want love, but because we start to feel it and we be start to get this discipline and it starts to get in us, we automatically start to act out. Because, and we expect that when I act out, you're just going to throw me away. Because what does every other church do? What does every other family do? Say, ah, oh, I can't handle you. You don't belong here. Go on down the road. There's 128 other churches here in Newcastle, Henry County. You can go to one of them. You can sit down. That's what fostering does. That's foster discipleship. That is, that is I'm going to make it hard, or the discipler just says it's too tough. I can't do it. Now, here's the benefits of fostering, and I think we're going to wrap it up and, and go next week. Okay. And we'll go next week because I want you to come back. I'm going to give you homework, and I want you to hear the part about what it looks like to adopt and how you can put this into practice. Does that make sense? Are we good? Are we tracking? Nobody sleeping? All right. Good. All right. There's benefits to fostering. And my iPad just died. So here's what benefits of foster care is. You get paid to foster care. There's benefits to the one doing the, the mothering and fathering. There's benefits to the one doing the discipling. But is it enough, Carmen? Is it enough, Andrea? Tina Lynn, she's Chad Lynn's. Is it enough what you get paid to foster. If you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's where some discipling people are, is they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Because I'm going to disciple you because it gives me a benefit. I'm going to use you as an example. This gives me a benefit because look at me. I'm discipling the pastor's son. Who cares? Who cares? I'm, I'm only doing it because not only has God told me, but he showed me in a dream. And, and there was a struggle to even do that because it's inconvenient. You know, the things that could get said or however, or am I fully equipped to be able to, to, to disciple someone who's got a good foundation? So I went to Eric, and I call him, and I talk to him. This is what God showed me. He gave me a dream. This is what it said in the dream. So I'm seeing where it goes, and we're doing my, I'm doing my best with it. It's not went very far yet. But we're building. But see, if I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, I'm doing it because it's the pastor's son, and I think I'm going to receive some kind of, Mike, you're just so awesome, I love you, that kind of stuff, all right? 
We can't do it for those reasons. Be patient with me, please. I'm pulling up my other notes here. Another benefit to fostering is just like we said in the um, in the definition, you're not fully responsible. In the foster care system, okay, the government pays for all the medical needs. Not only does it pay you to be a parent, but you don't accept financial responsibility because when you get them and if they have no clothes, guess what? They give you an allowance to go buy some clothes. If you need extra money for Christmas, you get a small allowance for Christmas to buy them Christmas presents. Still not enough, but there is a benefit. There's a kickback to it where you really don't have full responsibility. They're just hanging out at your house and you're just passing the time. If it gets hard, you can take a break. There's a, in the foster care system, there's respite care. And we've done that where people have come up and said, I just can't handle it. I need a break. Or I don't want to take them on vacation. I'm going to leave and I need to leave these two or three kids here. Will you please watch them? Now, how do you think that feels? What, what, if, what if Eric would have said, Mike, man, it's just too tough. You're too jacked up. Why don't you go on down to one of the other churches? And then, and then when they help you a little bit, and I've been able to, to, to recuperate, then you can come back, and I'll see if I can help you. It don't work that way. You do sometimes get quick compensation. Fostering is mostly short-term. And again, when you foster, it is someone else's true responsibility. Now I really feel like it's about where I'm to end it at. It's been some there's been some information and I can I can sense and I can feel even upon myself there's conviction in the room. Because we need to change our mindset. And we need to take this up. Because we can all disciple somebody. And every one of you in here have something to offer and give. So what you really have to do and what you have to decide and what I feel like your homework is, is to take a true synopsis, a true inventory, thank you, of where you are at. As we start from the very beginning, who are you discipling for? Are you really discipling for the kingdom in the way you set your example? Or are you, are you, are you discipling for the enemy's kingdom. Even though you may not be doing anything bad, but you do, there may be some sin that God is trying to uncover to pull out for your own kids. Are you discipling your wife and your children? <laughs> See, that's the tough one. Because in relationship, they see everything and they tend to be the hardest ones on us mainly because we deserve it. And when we get in relationship, even with other people, with an Eric, with a Tom, with a Nathan, with a Chris, being in relationship, it's not easy. It's hard. 
And when they see the things in us and they want us to be better and they want us to strive to be who God's really created us to be, it is hard to take the constructive criticism that they give. And it's hard to let God use them to bring conviction upon our life because we need conviction. As a church, as New Covenant Worship Center, we have allowed conviction to be gone because it's uncomfortable because it's inconvenient we want to say it's condemnation and it has no place and we quote quote romans 8 for therefore there is no condemnation in those who are in the body of christ that is right but there is conviction we have to be convicted we have to be willing to come in relationship with people and say i accept being in relationship with an alex i accept being in relationship with nathan with chris with with ernie with my wife with joel with adam with dre i accept being in a relationship even though it's hard because you guys will see me You already have seen me fail. But you have to be willing to adopt and say that no matter how painful it is, no matter how much it hurts me, no matter how inconvenient it is for me, I am going to disciple and I'm going to be discipled. And I'm going to let others speak into my life. Because guess what? I'm going to speak into their life and it's not going to come about exactly the right way. Some of you are speaking into my life. Does it always come out correctly and like a big bouquet of roses? No. However, there's truth. You have to be at a point where you can say, I receive the truth that you're speaking to my life and I will continue to change. And you start to get rid of this fostering mentality of, I don't care if I have to take on full responsibility. Jesus and God took full responsibility for us. Because that's really what God does. Will you, as a man of your house, will you take inventory this week of where you are at. Will you be honest with yourself and truly decide what side of the fence you're on? And if you're on the wrong side, will you go to the other? Women, will you figure out what side of the fence you're on when it comes to your kids and how you're being discipled by your husband? Because he is imperfect. And will you be honest and take inventory? And will you come back next week with a piece of paper or a note on your phone or your iPod or in your Bible that says, this is where I'm at. This is the decision that I'm making. That I'm going to adopt someone. That I am okay with being inconvenienced. And I am okay with doing something different. And fathering and mothering someone. But yet I'm also okay with finding out, okay, who is farther ahead in the game than me? Alger is further ahead in the game than some of you. Christy Davis is further ahead in the game than some of you. The Sutherlands 
are further, again, further ahead in the game than some of you. Just because they're newer, or the Jillians, or, or, or Alex and his wife Kate, just because they're newer, just because Tony is newer, or Marcus is newer, they are further ahead in the game than some of you. But on the same respect, there's someone further ahead than you are as well. You don't have to be discipled first to start discipling someone. But I believe it is truly a key that in order to start discipling, you can jump right in. But there is this aspect of you need to find someone to start discipling you. And we really need to take this serious. I mean, look around. There's a reason our church is not full. Are we supposed to be a big church? I believe so. But if we can't disciple the ones that are in here, why is God going to send us more? There is a children's church full of young kids. That just because they're young doesn't mean they're stupid. They're powerful young men and women of God. You've got youth over here that need somebody else besides the people on our youth team. You can disciple some. Because really, the, the call, the, the, the inner thing on the inside of all of us, we want to be discipled by somebody. We want to be truly who we are supposed to be. It's just hard. It's inconvenient. I want to end with this. Um, me and Eric were talking a while back and uh, you know as as we formed a youth team and, and as we started trying to pastor your children some of your kids were at a disadvantage because there wasn't the relationship with many of them that there could have been because of the void that was there for a while so because of that lack of relationship, it made it hard just to jump right in with some teenage girls and teenage boys to just automatically try to build this relationship, to try to build a bridge, to try to, to, try to disciple and, and be something for these kids. Because even though the call of what was on the inside wanted it, they were, some of them rebelled. And I hate that, that we wasn't able to catch all of them. And I know the heart of our team is the same. But when I talk to Eric about a specific situation, and I appreciate what he said, my daughter is nine. She is passionate and headstrong. And I'm going to do it my way or the hot but yet she's tender and I know she loves the Lord and she's learning and I'm doing my best to disciple her but I can't do it all and what he told me my wife can't do it all but what he told me is he said I'm going to build a relationship with your daughter 
That's been six or eight months ago. And I watch him, and I watch her as he comes into church. He makes an effort to go see her and to hug her and to do something to get her attention because he is slowly building a foundation of relationship with her. Where at some point, when she won't listen to mom or dad, because she has a relationship with him and whoever else in here wants to build a relationship with my children, do it. Because when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, they're going to need somebody besides me. No matter how good of a father that I am, they need somebody. She's going to need Isaac, and Addie's going to need somebody where they can feel comfortable enough, another father and another mother to help. But if we don't get this message of adopting and being disciplers, we will lose that whole generation again. So who in Camp Grizzly, besides your child, will you adopt? Who is God highlighting to you, Grandma Leela, to pour into? Even if it's just every Sunday for a while. Even if it's just to say, one Sunday afternoon, they go home with you and you take them out to eat. It starts with relationship. You know, you've got Chad Lindsay's got kids, Alex has got kids, Christy Davis has got kids, Nathan's got kids, Xavier's got kids. We've all got kids. This this is this is a church with a lot of kids. Who is God highlighting for you to pick up and for you to disciple? Think about it. Come back with your homework. All right, I'm going to pray and I'll turn it back over to Eric. Unless you guys have anything you want to say. Well, I'm just going to say something really cool that just happened while we're up here. Um, as Mike was sharing, um, I actually saw an angel hovering over him. Um, and literally just like, what, maybe 10 minutes ago, an angel feather fell right there. There it is for you. And so just to let you know, like, God is here. You know, he, he's got his angels, uh, there's got charge over us. And so just, I don't know, this is just really cool for me just to share with you guys, like, there's angels worshiping with us here today um, and dancing with us and dancing over us. So, yeah, God's good. Well, obviously, I need to do better at discipling to get them to talk. <laughs> All right, I'll close this in prayer. Eric, do you have anything you want to add? Okay. Thank you for not leaving. It is 1230. You guys are sticking in there. Um, we love, I love you. And uh, make sure you tell the children's workers that are discipling your children. Thank you. God, I just thank you that you're a wonderful dad, that you're teaching us and you're moving us from a fostering church to an adopting church. Mm, let that sink in for a minute. We're going from a fostering church to an adopting church. Thank you for the men and women that are in here that are getting closer to the fire. 
that we will not be afraid, but we will get as close. We will get to the red hot center of the fire where it's the hottest. And that, God, we will change our mindset to realize that, that even though your word talks about suffering, we really are not suffering for us in America, for us right here in Newcastle. It's more of an inconvenience than it is anything. But we will, we will grasp and we will hug and we will chase after being inconvenienced for you to change a city, a town, a state, and a nation. That we will do what your word says and we will make disciples and not just converts. We thank you that our angels are present with us. God, that just because you love us, you, you let us see signs, wonders, and miracles. Thank you for those who got saved last week. Because there were, I heard testimonies of ones who got saved and gave their lives to the Lord last week. Thank you. May we disciple them. May we adopt them and not foster them. Holy Spirit, let your conviction continue to set on us that we will let it bring us closer to you and that we will chase after you and that we will, we will hug and grasp and, and embrace conviction and we will let it change us. And I just speak over all of you today that you will fall in love with the gospel and that our mindsets will be changed and we will realize forever we are parents, that it's not just a job that starts and ends but forever we are parents. Go throughout the week with us. Continue to give us downloads and revelation of discipleship. And amen.